Hey Fred, just curious. Why don't teams prioritize onboarding? Curious Teams is a podcast for design, construction, and owner teams. Welcome to Curious Teams. I'm Fred Gutierrez. And I'm Barbara White Bryson. And we're here to make the design, construction, and owner environments a better place. And today we're going to talk about onboarding. First of all, what do we mean by onboarding? I think a lot of people know onboarding when they bring new employees in, but we're going to look at it at a more broad definition. Well, I think the traditional definition is what is the experience of the employee and how do you engage an employee when they're joining a new institution, organization, or company? I think we're very concerned about how do you onboard to project teams, for example. Yeah, I think the interesting thing about you know our perspective, at least my perspective on onboarding is Often we're in projects for a period of time where values and goals develop um, with, they, they, they tend to transform with the team that's working on a project. And when someone's newly brought in or brought in, you know, once the project's begun, sometimes we forget how important it is to bring them up to speed and to make them, you know, very comfortable in participating as a team member in understanding those values and goals. So... Yeah, that's such a good point. You know, I, it reminds me of a, a, forgive me, a Netflix series that I just watched where this incredibly elegant woman named Sarah Jane Ho was uh, hosting a, a show called Minding Manners. And I think that onboarding is similar to her definition of why etiquette is important. It's about making other people feel comfortable. And onboarding, it's not about the individual employee so much. It's about building trust between the employee and the team or the organization. And so you need to go through some very specific effort to make sure that they get to know you well enough to be comfortable within that environment. Yeah, I think I think you're leading right into our list. <laughs> I can't help to think about our list now. So that brings us to what Fred and I have discussed as five critical components to onboarding. Uh, and with your permission, Fred, I'll read these out real quick. Thank you. <laughs> First, a leader must be present during onboarding. Don't count on just handing it off to others. Two, Make sure that during onboarding, you're communicating values and team principles. Three, be consistent for all new team members, wherever they're coming from, however they're joining the team. Four, encourage your new team members to do their part. And that means you want to encourage them to ask questions and to be authentic, to bring their real selves to the conversation, to the onboarding. And five, don't forget about remote workers, whether they be in branch offices, whether they be team members that cannot be present in team meetings, find a way to bring remote workers up to the same level of comfort 
and understanding as the rest of your team members. I might just put a little footnote on that last one about remote workers. I would just say, think about who is on your team and realize that they all should be onboarded in a way. So uh, I'll, 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 I'll say more to that when we get to it, but there's a lot of people out there that are on your team and sometimes you overlook the fact that they are on your team. Absolutely, yeah. All right, so do you wanna talk in more depth about our five points? Yeah, let's jump into point number one. A leader must be present and not expect to hand off the project or hand off something to someone else. So I think this is a great one to start with. It, it is, it's almost the one rule that will make all projects go better is presence is such a high value trait. It's very expensive. Time is money and attention is, is a lot of time. So to give somebody your presence it's an investment, and you shouldn't take it lightly. That um, th that projects will take a lot of a lot of time and investment of your full attention, and a proper onboarding sometimes takes the people skills to show up and just be present with the questions that arise. It, it sometimes isn't as structured as you you think it needs to be. It's showing somebody that you're there uh, with your full attention, wanting to build a relationship of trust. I agree with that so, so deeply. I, I remember um, onboarding team members in the past and recognizing that there were certain conversations that I could have that would be given a lot more emphasis than if they came from somebody else. For, for instance, uh, the failure conversation. Uh, I have always made sure that team members that were working with me understood that I expect them to go out there and make decisions. I expect them to go out there and move the ball. And they're gonna screw up sometimes. Nobody's perfect. And so I would say to them, if you fail, all I expect is you let me know as soon as possible, and then we will figure out together what should be done. Hopefully you'll have some ideas on how to correct the situation, but you know, sometimes we screw up and it's just too much to handle. I understand that. I'd much rather you be out there swinging than paralyzed by fear of failure. Now that conversation is not a conversation that is going to be nearly as effective from another team member. It's gotta come from a leader. Right. Now, this, this gets back to, you know, our differences or our experiences. I, I work on a lot of residential projects and, and the owners don't understand or don't respect as much how important their presence is on a project. They tend to expect the handoff to the professionals they trust. I, I just can't overemphasize how important it is that you still need to be present, even though you don't have the, the knowledge base to solve the problems that are the technical problems to, to, to do a project. It's that setting of goals, values, and an understanding of why this project's important and why, why you even brought somebody on, um, a respect for that, that builds the trust for somebody to come on and be able to perform authentically. Yeah, I, and that takes us to um, item number two, in fact, which is communicate values and team principles. I think the number one most important aspect of onboarding, other than making sure everybody's got an email address if it's a new organization, 
is, uh, is to make sure that they do understand what are the values of the organization or team and what are the operating principles. What's the framework for making decisions? You and I have talked about this again and again. This is, this is the safety net for almost any situation for making sure that your employees are walking in the path that you want them to walk, that your team members understand how decisions are made, that you have an understanding of when you're going wrong. You know, values can be um, very personal or very broad. And sometimes you think they're very deep and very insightful. Um, but they're just, they're just a way to unify people to work in, the, in a common direction. Um, they can be all of that. They can be very thoughtful and you know, they can be universal in terms of you know, making big statements. But sometimes they can be as simple as schedule. And sometimes I just love how simple that can be in unifying a team around one simple common goal. I agree. I agree. I mean, even if you have a simple value of everybody has a voice, that you're not going to leave a meeting without hearing mm-hmm. critical questions or, or critical ideas that could, no matter where they come mm-hmm. from, best idea wins. Even if it's that simple a goal, that helps you get past something that you and I met, talked about earlier, and that is what if you add on board a team member that thinks quite a lot of what their contribution is going to be to the point of, unbalancing a team. Yeah, that can be a problem. Um, it can be a problem for both somebody that comes and places you know, their role higher and maybe more important than, than others. But it can happen in reverse too when you might, might onboard somebody and you pigeonhole their participation by just assuming they have a limited skill set. What I think is really great on some projects is to, to show the big picture to everybody, to try not to be restrictive of that and sometimes I love the visualizations of projects and showing it to everybody involved in the project regardless of their role so that they can see the big picture they can see what their contribution is going to result in sometimes it's even a story down down the line I had one client um, I was trying to figure out you know how am I going to unite this team to to do this project and I kept hearing the same story from the owner that it was very important for her children to have this house so that they can um, relax and be in an environment where they can study and prosper in their education. Cause it was, you know, what the improvements they were doing to this project helped them, you know, be in a place where they could really um, focus on their education. Now it sounds like something you don't tell a drywaller, but to be honest, it does create a unified value in which they can say, this is what I'm doing today is I'm helping build a house, which I do every day, but it's going to, it's going to result in these rewards to this client. And that's sometimes a great way to align values with people. I, I agree with that. An example that I could bring up is on, uh, for instance, a, a university campus or a campus uh, uh, for a, that's in an environmentally sensitive area. Sometimes you bring on, many, many different team members in, during the construction process that don't recognize that the students are the priority or the, 
the uh, wetlands surrounding the site is a priority. And so making the effort to draw everybody in, not only with the no-nos, but understand the fuller context can encourage much greater buy-in to those values than they might otherwise have. You know, another example I could bring up is to create a common enemy. And this sounds controversial, but when you think, when you think uh, the New York Yankees, who's the nemesis of the New York Yankees? Well, Boston these days. The Boston Red Sox, yes. Right. <laughs> what it does, it doesn't mean that one, one is bad or one is good, but just the fact that the Red Sox are playing the Yankees can unite a whole community towards a common goal. And, you know, we need to find that common enemy. And I just say enemy because it's, it's, it's that easily understandable challenge that we all have to face as a group. And that's, you know, scoring more runs than the other team. But in, you know, in, in, the, in the projects we're building, creating an enemy could be as, simply as much as identifying cost as an enemy. And making it a challenge. The cost, you know, overruns is the enemy to this project. Mm-hmm. You know, we're here to figure out ways to beat that enemy down. And the same can go for schedule or, you know, sustainability or other goals like that. But something that unifies a team. Yeah, redundant work. Redundant work, yeah, rework, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, or it, it could be part of your motivation, um, mm-hmm. which is, by the way, when you're onboarding somebody, cre- making sure they understand the common motivations is, is a really important thing to do, in, along with these values and team principles. But, you know, for instance, if you're doing a cancer research lab, mm-hmm. cancer can be that enemy. Exactly. You can put your energy into saying, okay, we're going to deliver this so that cancer or paralysis or whatever the the issue is on behalf of the owner. I'd say it's a great idea. So number three, be consistent for all new team members is an important one to me because I think that we tend to get lazy about onboarding as projects go on. And we also tend to forget how many people are really on our team. Yeah, I think onboarding regardless of size, happens throughout the life of the project. You know, sometimes you'll onboard some key players, you know, early, you know, right at the developmental and planning stage. And then you'll onboard people later on. And even up to, you know, a couple of weeks before it's complete, you're still bringing on people with some special skills to get you to the end. You need to treat them all very equally in terms of helping them understand and being comfortable in the roles that they're going to be in. So the, the other thing that happens a lot from an owner's perspective is you entertain bringing someone on board. So, you know, for an owner, they may look at multiple architects or designers or consultants, and there's a period of time in which you're speaking with a group of people with the intent of bringing them onto the team. Sometimes it can be lost how onboarding fits into that relationship. And I think it's key to recognize the point in which you've made a commitment that they're part of your team and to properly onboard people, even if it means being redundant on restating your, your goals, your intents, the way you'd like to work with them. Um, you can't just assume that that happened over that period of time trying to 
you know, court them or identify whether they're the right individuals to work with. And one way that you can handle that if you feel uncomfortable, you know, feeling like it's redundant or something is you can be very explicit to them about why they are now part of the team. We hired you because you understood our values, which are X, Y, and Z. And we hired you because we know you can work with our team principles, which are boom, boom, boom. And just Mm -hmm. go ahead and very explicitly say, you're a part of this team because we believe you will understand this and can work with this. Uh, because you're right. It's, it can be a little tricky sometimes when you're, um, courting somebody to be on the team, but you also need to make sure that they're very clear that they're part of a team and that there's background there and there's a foundation there. Yeah. I I just kind of chuckle because, you know, there's times when I've been on a project and I'm like, am I really on this project or not? I've just been around for a while. I think I'm a team member now. So it, it goes a long way to make that announcement, even though it can be somewhat ceremonial. That ceremony can mean a lot in terms of getting somebody to you know, participate in a, in a strong way. Yeah, it can, yeah, in a constructive way. It also reassures the other team members. You know, are, we, are we still all working off the same game plan? Is this mm-hmm. still, you know, are there some people who don't have to respect the values and some people who do? Making sure that you are consistent can help reassure the team members that already are working hard on the project and have been part of the development of some of those principles and ideas and goals. So how about number four? Encourage new team members to do their part, which entails asking questions and being authentic. I've onboarded people at different times in my career who just sat through that process, completely mum, you know, completely quiet. And, you know, the questions don't start coming out until two months later or, or when we hit hard times, uh, our problem. And so it's, important in a team environment to make sure that you're encouraging people to ask questions and to participate. No better time to start than the onboarding process. Yeah, yeah, that, that's a great, great reminder that, that this onboarding isn't a statement. It's a conversation. It's, in, it's, it's intent is to bring out the, the highest value and contribution of the people coming onto the project. So a real thoughtful leader will try to pull as much participation from this new team member in terms of how can they participate in this equation that we've set up uh, and make things better. So it really needs to be a conversation with the intent that it's, it's everyone's learning during that onboarding. And again, building trust. This is a, a period of time where you're being tr- building trust, which is why you need as a new team member to show up authentically, without trying to impress people, without trying to read your resume out. Uh, The idea is that you're engaging in an authentic way so they can get to know you. They will get to know your abilities uh, as you move along. But 
if you don't show up authentically, you're already going to be setting up a barrier between yourself and the rest of the team. Right. Authenticity. It's hard. <laughs> <laughs> I know. We're all we're also um, tempted to, you know, be the smartest person in the room when we're new, you know. Exactly. And then exactly. you end up saying things that you wish you could bite your tongue off <laughs> because yeah. you were showing off. Yeah, authenticity is tough. I just wanted to, I, I, I say that because it is tough and I don't think we should be ashamed of being authentic because it, you know, it's vulnerability, you know, it's showing people, you know, you know, that you have strengths and weaknesses and that those weaknesses are part of the package. You know, I don't do contracts <laughs> as well as some people on a team. So you should know that that might be my weakness, you know, things like that, or, or simple things like texting me is just not a way to communicate with me, you know, pick up the phone and let's talk. Not those other weaknesses, but you know, that's the authenticity that we're talking about is getting people to understand how you operate, that you may have good and bad days. And, you know, it's, it, you're just another person that you know, wants to, wants to be part of a team. I love that. Of course, I think we're both fans of Brene Brown and I have a, a quote that I'll share later from sure. her, but, um, being authentic and being vulnerable are two things that she would encourage in any situation, especially uh, onboarding as a new team member. Can we uh, talk about number five, which is don't forget your remote workers, which is especially important in the post-COVID era? Yeah, you know, post-COVID, we're all working in remote locations and sometimes it's hard to see ourselves as a team. There's not that, we don't all have a jersey on, we're not all huddled. <laughs> um, it's easy to forget that there's a group of people. And uh, Talk about it a little bit, how you see that. Well, you know, there's a lot of different kinds of remote workers, so let's start with the project team. On the project team, there are going to be people, team members, important team members, that never get in that team meeting room with you, especially nowadays. There will be um, other members of the architecture team who uh, don't get a chance to come to the site. There will be uh, other uh, special consultants that are gonna be working remotely. But if you don't make an effort to onboard them in the same manner that you've onboarded the rest of the team, they're going to end up working with their own agendas and in their own manner without reflection of the values and goals of the team. Yeah, it's it, it's so important. Yeah, I had the experience of working in an architecture firm that was very large, specialized in hospitals, and had branch offices. Uh, and I was, for a part of my career with that firm, in one of the branch offices. And one of the things that I noticed was that because I was no longer in the home office, where the values and principles were primarily being created for the entire organization, and where new policies were discussed, things like that, it felt as if we were behind a wall from the rest of the organization when we were in the branch office. And so can you imagine new team members being onboarded in that branch office where you already feel as if you're insulated 
from the home office values and principles. And then you're onboarding somebody without them ever having a home office experience. This is a huge challenge and a challenge that's getting even greater where some workers will never even come into any office at all and trying to make sure that they're on the same page. So spending some time and being thoughtful about how you're going to have these conversations, help them engage with the team in a way that builds this trust is a really important priority. Yeah, this almost jumps us back to the number one rule of thumb is to be present. It's like even with these remote workers, you need to be present with them so that they can understand your authenticity and, you know, be know that you're available for them. One thing I'm thinking about is, you know, often in some larger organizations, um, geography can be a challenge where you start to get tribal in a way where, you know, I think you might have experienced that in that architecture firm is you have two businesses inside a business. And it's not that they that, that they disagree with the overall values is they start to have sub values that become very strong. So that idea of bringing the team into a huddle is an important thing. And it may not physically be possible, but you really need to think about how you can reinforce, um, and this is part of onboarding, it's a little bit further down the road, is reinforce why everybody's there and uh, just realign the forces in a consistent way throughout the project so that everybody feels like they're on the same team. Yeah, when you talk about the two businesses, it reminds me of experiences of uh, actually building a project that I've worked on the design team for and feeling sometimes that there's two very different teams operating. There's the design yeah. team, the people in the trailer, and then the people out in the field whose job it is to execute right. the crazy stuff that the people in the trailer right. come up with. And, uh, and so that's a huge challenge on how to onboard in a way that you're not working in, in an adversarial way, but you're working in a collaborative way that can help save them time and they can help you create a better design because they have ideas that you don't even have the background to understand. Yeah. Another subtle thing about onboarding is, you know, say you're an owner hiring a builder and you've onboarded the, the builder's ownership and their project management team, maybe their estimators. You, you, you really had a relationship with them and brought in them, bringing them on board to the project. But even they're bringing new employees in or new, new, new key personnel those people need to be onboarded in a sensitive manner as well um, so that they understand their roles. You can't just assume that their leadership has done it as effectively or as on point to your project as you need to do. So I would, I would make, every, make those conversations when you visit the site and you meet the superintendent for the first time. That's an opportunity to onboard. Now, it may look different, but it's still the same key principles as you want them to feel welcome, part of the team, you want them to share your values, and you want them to understand that you're present for them, and that you're there to help them contribute in their most authentic way and use their skills to, the, to their fullest. I'm going to uh, take this as an opportunity to uh, quote Brene Brown. This is from a tweet uh, from February 22nd, 2022, uh, and it says, it takes a lot of 
quote unquote, here's what I'm seeing. Can we dig into this type of conversations? Making that, making it a part of onboarding allows us to give everyone the same messaging. If that messaging is supported by leaders' actions and aligns with observed behaviors, things can change quickly. And I assume she means changing for the better. Yeah. Oh, she does. <laughs> it, it's, it's absolutely true. That messy conversation, which you want to encourage from the very beginning, about here's my perspective, here's what I'm seeing, let me ask my questions, um, they sometimes can help you. If you've been looking at a project for months and you welcome those questions, sometimes you can see something that you missed. Yeah, this is exciting. I want to I want to start onboarding some people. <laughs> <laughs> the reverse of that is being onboarded yourself and being open to being a participant on a team. And that's something I'm experiencing, you know, right now on a new project. It's it's a bit of a back and forth. You know, I'm going to have a conversation with with a new team member that we're both new to each other. I'll, I'll take I'll take these principles into that meeting. I, I hope it helps me. I'm sure it will. That sounds great. So <laughs> is that all we have to say today on the subject of onboarding? I think so. Why don't we go, why don't we just read off the five again, just to end with it. So we had five points we'd like to leave you with. Uh, the, the Number one was the leader must be present and they shouldn't just assume to hand off the project to key, key personnel or companies. The second is you need to communicate your values and the team principles. That's something that will allow people to participate uh, fully. Uh, the third is to be consistent among all your new team members. Number four was encourage new team members to do their part by asking questions and to be willing to be authentic. And the fifth one was don't forget about your remote workers or those workers that you may not have even expected to be part of your team. They're, they're all out there. I'm sure we miss them every day, but we really shouldn't. Thanks, Fred. It's a great way of summarizing the conversation. So thank you so much for joining us at Curious Teams. This is Barbara White Bryson. And this is Fred Gutierrez. And now you go make the design, construction, and owner environment a better place. Find us at CuriousTeams.com where we hope you share your comments and ideas. Look forward to upcoming episodes that answer questions that you've sent us on our website. And please subscribe to us on your podcasting platform. It helps us find more people like you. And it never hurts to do a five-star review.